0: Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney.
1: This is Matt Bomer.
0: This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis.
1: This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson.
0: This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia
1: Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine.
0: A-OK.
2: Welcome to Little Known Facts So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact. In 2012, my friend Susan Siegel was driving her daughter to school. As she drove down Hollywood Boulevard, a Los Angeles city bus, went over to her side of the road, completely smashing into her car. Her 12-year-old daughter was able to get out of the passenger seat completely, miraculously unharmed. But Susan lay crushed in her car, under the bus, every bone in her body broken, including her neck, bleeding on the brain, her lungs collapsed. No one was sure if she would survive. Susan now says at the time, she remembers her father coming and lifting the bus off of her car. There were all sorts of miraculous visions and angels that came into her life since the accident. But mostly, the remarkable thing is how friends and family gathered, community rallied, and her husband's emails to all of us on a daily basis, both to keep us informed of Susan's progress and to keep him from going nuts all those long hours in the hospital, became the foundation of a really beautiful memoir called Struck, where Doug and Susan share with us both the harrowing and inspiring moments that got them through this ordeal. And it is really an amazing thing to be able to share them today. Welcome, Doug and Susan, to the podcast. A-OK. Today, my guests are the husband and wife team of Doug and Susan Siegel. Doug is a producer and a writer, and Susan is an actress. Some of Doug's credits include Expedition Unknown – Hangar One, The UFO Files, Monsters Underground, Chasing the Devil, and Pretty Hurts. There are many, many more. You can just go to IMDb. Uh, Susan has acted in Curb Your Enthusiasm and Growing Up Brady. They come at night. Everybody loves Raymond, Seinfeld, and more. But today, they are here for a different reason. Today, we are here to celebrate a memoir called Struck that Doug Siegel has written. And in this memoir, he shares the story of how his family endured after his beautiful wife, actress Susan Siegel, was nearly killed in a car crash. So in October of 2012, uh, Susan was hit by a bus. She was severely injured when her car was struck by this bus and she suffered brain damage and a shattered pelvis and a broken neck. I just have to interject that she's sitting, I hate to bury the lead, but she's sitting in front of me right now looking like a supermodel. So... (laughs) I'm not saying we all want to get hit by a bus, but I'm saying, girl, you look good. Thank Uh, you, Alana. So do you. Thank you. (laughs) Susan emerged from the ICU, and when that happened, she struggled to walk. But she was determined to recover, although she was unable to remember the eight weeks prior she had spent in the hospital right after the accident. So while Susan endured the most painful rehab humanly possible, Doug... Sent to his friends and family, I am including myself on that list, these daily updates about how Susan was doing. And I can only say, as someone who was on the receiving end of those emails, it was an extraordinary thing to sort of feel like you were somehow in real time being a part of the experience. It also created instant community, which mm-hmm. was an extraordinary thing to be a part of.
0: Definitely.
2: At the time, I hoped that it was giving you some peace of mind to share them or something to do during the endless hours of being in the hospital. But you should know the fact that I get to say thank you in person right now for the peace of mind it brought us, for all of us who were so desperate to be in the room with you but weren't allowed in there, it made us feel a little bit like we could... um, at least offer you support and hope that our love was being shared with Susan during Thank the process. Thank
1: you. And it definitely was. It definitely so was So
2: that brings us here. I'm just going to use a quote here that Doug said, and then we'll get into the whole process of what brings you here, which is this extraordinary memoir, which I have to admit, I got a sneak peek at before it was out to the world, and it's incredible. Doug wrote, when it is happening and you're right there in it, the only thing you can see is hell. And this book is a truly inspiring journey into the importance of faith and love in the face of trauma. And you had the worst thing happen to you. You got that call, the Mm. call that we all really fear. So I'm going to hand it over to you guys now. What made you decide to take this story that was private and grew a little bit into being public, because you were so generous in sharing the day-to-day, um, but putting it out into the world in a much more global way, which is my dream for this memoir.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny. When you when you say that um, it was a gift for me to be sharing these emails, I didn't know it at the time what a gift it was to receive the comments that I got back on these emails. And people had asked me, you know, how are you coping with this? What drugs are you taking? And are you in therapy and all of that? And I wasn't. And my therapy, as I reflect on it, was sending out these emails and building this wonderful support group um, of friends and family. And that was the inspiration for me to continue writing. It it was cathartic for me. Uh, what It did bond a tremendous amount of people, everyone showed up for us and it was just a wonderful reaffirmation of of faith and and love and support from fa- friends and family and everyone said Doug you should write a book and so it happened
0: which is also kind of amazing it is so amazing cuz Doug had finished one job and i said you know you're going to write that book you keep talking about you better you better Get busy. And he did, which is what's one of the most amazing things about my sweet husband, is that he he goes to work. He gets it done. He's a finisher. He's a finisher. Yeah, he gets it done. He gets it done and always. No, oh, sorry. <laughs> it's
2: okay. This show has no rating. I don't know why that came out. <laughs> because Because that's one of the things you can celebrate, the, the happening of um it's the true. conjugal visits that, that happened between <laughs> you guys. So... I know that for those of us who were in touch with Doug uh, post-accident and for those of us who have gotten to read the book, we sort of know what happened from his perspective from the moment the phone rang and it was your daughter saying, Daddy, there's been an accident. Do you remember the morning
0: before the accident happened? Yes, I do. And it was the normal, I want to say, sort of... uh, regularness of life the banality or whatever i took my son to school we had a nice chat we listened to the radio i dropped him off uh came home i was talking to to a friend about a bar mitzvah party nancy and pulled into the garage went in to get al and that's the last thing i remember mm-hmm. and then
2: can you lay out uh Very briefly, for listeners, your understanding of what happened.
0: Well, it took a long time. Doug had to um, tell me every morning. A friend of ours who's uh, a doctor here in town told Doug to tell me you've been in an accident. Your kids are okay. It wasn't your fault. And so I don't know how long you did that every day for— Every
1: morning, yeah because I, it was like Groundhog day for her. He said she won't remember what happened. she won't remember she won't know why she's here, she won't know where she is
2: so every morning when you got to the hospital, every morning. this was
1: your greeting and her eyes would go wide um and initially, I thought her eyes were going wide for another reason, but I came to realize her eyes were going wide because it was like, oh my god, that's what happened that's mm-hmm. why that's why I'm here in this place. That's crazy. Do you
2: have any memory of that when he says that to you now? Or is it like, do I remember because of the picture
0: or do I remember? It's definitely it a piece of that. But I will say that the memories I do have, which are mostly about a lot about the hallucinations, still feel really very real to me. Hmm. That I. Must I don't know I don't really remember it. All I know is I must have been relieved, relieved or relieved. Um, <laughs> <that it laughs> you was. can relief
1: later. Can, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she my was side of the, the microphone here. is
0: just wild. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I must have been relieved because it wasn't my fault, and my children were okay. Which leads me to say I don't know if I would have made it had something had happened to Alice. That was a very lucky moment. Well, why don't you tell us about that? So we know that she pulled into the garage. They
2: made bar mitzvah party plans. What are you wearing? What are you wearing? Exactly. Is double high, triple high <laughs> in the check. That's exactly. a big, how many versions of $18 is the gift going to be? Mm-hmm. And I do want to know later how much you give at
1: bar mitzvah. Okay, That's sure. That's a big etiquette. I'll reveal that <laughs>
2: Thank you. as well. Thank you. Um, but... She was driving Alice to school, and what happened?
1: Well, from what I gathered, I got the call. I was doing some work, and I looked at the caller ID on the phone and didn't recognize it, and so I wasn't going to answer because I knew it wasn't going to be for me. And for whatever reason, the answering machine did not pick up. Mm. I don't know why. It's always on. It rang. It rang. I finally picked up, and it was Alice's scared voice on the other side saying, Mommy's been in a car accident. Come quick. And when I asked her if she was okay, she said yes. And I, when I asked if Susan was okay, if Mommy was okay, she said no. I don't think so. That's when I knew it was serious, and that was the punch in the gut moment. And I ran out of the house, and I, I think in my mind I was thinking car accident. It's a fender bender type of thing. And when I turned the corner on Hollywood Boulevard and ran up to this disaster movie scene, I my mouth just my hand went to my mouth, and I just was like. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. This bus absolutely consuming her car. I found Alice. I grabbed her. I held her. And looking at the car, I could not believe that she had walked away from. I couldn't believe anyone survived this, never mind walk away from such a disastrous collision.
2: How old was Alice at the time?
1: She was 11.
2: So your 11-year-old daughter is calling you. A policeman doesn't call you. A fireman doesn't call you. She calls you directly?
1: They hadn't arrived yet. She got out of the car. She leaned over. She saw that Susan's eyes were rolled back in her head. She kissed Susan goodbye on the forehead, uh, not knowing if she was alive, if she was ever going to see her again and uh, stepped out of the car. There was no door on the car. It had been blown off in in the accident. And she had a phone at that time, but it was trapped in her backpack underneath the wreckage of the car and got outside. And this angel of a woman just appeared in front of her and uh, said, Alice said, can I borrow your phone? Because Alice knew I need to call dad. I have to call dad. And I'll tell you, you know, you, you we talked about it when a lot years ago. Teach your kids your phone number, and now with cell phones, it's all pre-programmed in. Right. But how important it was at that moment that she knew our phone number, and how incredible that she had the presence of mind to call me. That's amazing.
2: It, at eleven, and just that she could get the words out. Yeah. So she's standing with a stranger when you arrive. At she the scene? was standing
1: alone, actually, when I arrived. I, that's what I remember. And just pulled her into my arm, and she arms, and she was covered in glass, um, and you know was crying. And
2: so she knew the location of where she was. She was yes. able to look up and say, "I'm on the corner of." But how did she get the phone? Didn't the
1: didn't she borrowed it from this woman? From who, the woman who was standing yeah, there.
2: Yeah. W- where was the accident? What was the corner or the It block? was on
1: Hollywood Boulevard between. Fairfax and La Brea, so it was just a few blocks from her house. Okay, and she was able to say when I said, "Where are you?" We're on Hollywood Boulevard, you know, not too far from the house. And I'll tell you, as I drove towards her, everybody was being um, diverted.
2: Traffic's being diverted,
1: and I'm going the wrong way against that diversion. Found a parking spot. Right. And, and uh,
2: by the way, that's the miracle of this story as well—to find a parking spot in yeah, exactly. L.A. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, actually, I, I, I mean, that's you know, why you're on the show I, I'll, today. <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, I was in, in my mind at that moment, I was thinking, I'm just going to, I'm going to have right. to pull the I'm car gonna over. I'm just going to get out. I'm just going to have to get out. And it was a couple of blocks away, uh, but running up there. And,
2: so now, Susan, as you've pieced the story together, why was
0: your car hit by a bus in L.A.? <laughs> um, you know, I'm one of the... Uh, I guess, unlucky and lucky girls. Uh, It was just a freak accident. A truck lost its brakes. uh, And I guess the fellow that was driving the truck usually chalked his wheels, didn't do it. Uh, The truck rolled into Hollywood Boulevard. Driverless. Driverless. Right, right.
2: So he got out of the car. He didn't put blocks,
0: perhaps. Under the car. Under the thing. And a new trainee bus driver with a mentor on the bus saw it and sped up. Uh, trying to beat it, I think, and lost control of the bus and swerved into oncoming traffic, which was me. So that is how I ended up being hit by a bus. So
2: you're brought to a hospital, and upon arrival, what is the information you're given about Susan's current state of being?
1: I was with Alice at the time in just the next cubicle, over
2: because in, they bring in her in VR. to check her out, too. Correct. Okay. They and, have to
1: do that, don't they? Yeah, well, you know, it was such a severe accident mm-hmm. that they need to x-ray her, and they gave her a full x-ray. And while we were there, they brought Susan in because I had to leave the scene of the accident before they had even extracted Susan from the car uh, just to stay with Alice. Who, who? And
2: So you have to leave the scene of the crime, as it were, that's so Sophie's choice, yeah. that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was, it was a tough one, but, you know, Alice's eyes, please, Daddy, stay with me. And
0: you needed to stay with her.
1: I and mean, I, I could right? see that Susan was alive at this point. She was reaching out with her arm and screaming, help me, help me, help me. And I tried to get closer to her, but all of the paramedics and first responders were keeping me at bay. And when they finally asked me, do you want to stay or do you want to go? Um I left her. I remember clearly getting into that ambulance and the door shutting and looking out the back window of the ambulance and seeing them still trying to cut the roof off of her car.
2: Have you called anyone at this point? Are you reaching out to anyone to let them know, or are you not at that point yet?
1: The most bizarre thing is, I at the scene, I felt guilty about a couple of things. One, that I took a picture. I felt like for whatever reason, right. I needed to. I needed to document this. I right. knew that, I, but but it felt just wrong. It like felt like am I
2: being litigious? I, in, it, in, I don't know. we
1: exploiting. Or I I don't know. It I just can't felt like you took a picture. It, you don't even like your
0: phone. Well. <laughs>
2: I felt I asked you to uh, take a picture geez. all the time. <laughs>
1: but sure, I'm killed in a bus crash. You're out there
0: shooting up a storm. Thanks so much.
1: I didn't unclear. shoot up unclear. I took, I took I took one picture and then I was like, Okay, I, I can't take any more pictures. Have you it. guys
2: been to couples therapy <laughs> at all since this happened? Consider this our
1: first okay. session. <laughs> okay. Just you
0: are you are our
2: wise curious. one. I always <laughs> wanted you to take my picture before. You never would. Now you do, Doctor okay. Levine. Let me ask. <laughs> exactly. Just curious. Yeah. Anyway, yes. So you take a picture for whatever reason, and then they do. whisk.
1: Then they whisk me away, and in the ER they bring her in, and um, oh the question was, Did it was I the reach first out phone to call. I had a conference call scheduled at eight thirty in the morning with Disney, and. I it was 825 and I'm standing on the corner with my daughter and Susan in this wreck and helicopters above and ambulance and fire trucks like a scene from Die Hard and I thought I've got to call my producer I've got this <laughs> I've got the conference call Where's that
0: calling number <laughs> Yeah <laughs> okay S- Star <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's amazing I amazing you had the, I, the state of mind to remember it
1: yeah. I called him and I said Hey, I, I I I'm sorry I can't do this call right now. My wife's just been in an accident, a car accident, and I think in the way that I was presenting it, it was just like you know the fender bender thing. He was like, "Okay, no problem. Just you know, tell me when uh, we'll we'll gonna have it anyway, and just we'll fill you in how it goes." I was like, "Okay, thanks." And when he later saw the news report, which was it was all over the news, yeah, I think he realized uh, how how serious it was, but no. I didn't call anyone until we were in the ER, and I saw them working on Susan, and she was thrashing about and moving, and so I thought, okay, well, she's not paralyzed. She's conscious. She's alive. She's alive. She was clearly in shock. They were saying to her, you know... What's your name? We're we're trying to help you. What's your name? And she'd scream out, Suzanne, help me. (laughs) Suzanne, help me. And they said, okay, Suzanne, we're trying to help you. And I'm in the back there going like, her name is not Suzanne. It's Susan. She's calling for our neighbor, Suzanne, to help her. She's not calling for her husband of 25 years. (laughs) She's calling for her more capable neighbor to to get Suzanne is capable
2: next session
1: (laughs) today we're just talking about how much time did we book (laughs) how much time did we book doctor we're We're still okay (laughs) I'm still processing that one I understand
2: (laughs) of course you are
1: yeah but I, I at that point I still didn't make any calls because I didn't know what was going on and by
2: the way you've decided she was calling for Suzanne yeah. I mean we're, we're you, just Ilan. we're deciding I mean, that. It yeah. it could also be that in the trauma, yes. maybe she always preferred the name Suzanne. Maybe uh, there had been talk that her name was gonna be Suzanne. Very generous, I love you so trying true. to that
0: help is, me. <laughs> And my almost twenty nine years of marriage. Exactly. But Suzanne, my neighbor, we'd all follow her out in an earthquake. So you feel like that is who you were calling for? That makes sense. You you. know, I don't really know, but yes, she's very she's a strong woman and I figured tight. Yes, and I figured she she could get us out of this mess. But you were speaking. That's amazing. That's crazy. I don't even know how. I mean, obviously, my vocal cords were not damaged. She
1: was not speaking. She was screaming, screaming. bloody murder. <laughs> so you don't have any. I'm dying. I'm dying. I mean, it was intense. That
2: is so traumatic, uh, and yeah. you are there with Alice. Yes, hearing that. Who's Does Alice right... know that voice is her mom? Oh my god, oh god. Yeah.
1: There's only a there's a curtain between the two of us. You is know
2: those hospital
0: things? They pull you. They put you in one room, and the daughter in the next, and pull that curtain.
2: But did they know that Doug and Alice were there, or is this random coincidence that the next patient know. coming into
1: that ER is? I think that it was question. in part coincidence because I think that initially they thought that they were going to take Alice to Children's Hospital. And somewhere along the way, that got changed to taking her to Cedars. And then with Susan, they immediately took her to Cedars. And we just was ended close. Up yeah. It was just a couple miles away. Um, so I think part of it was coincidence. And then once we were there, um, it was, you know, we were the ones occupying the ER at that point.
2: So you were not one of those people who had that situation where you were on the equator of this life and the next life and you see the light and You did not have that kind of experience.
0: I don't think I had the I see the light experience, but I did feel the presence of angels, no question. When was that? In the operating room. I don't know exactly why I feel that, but I definitely have felt that I thought that my father (laughs) lifted the bus off me and that my my grandmother, my bubby, protected my face. And I know that sounds batshit crazy, but I definitely feel like I had that kind of... You have a memory of those thoughts? You know, it's so hard, Alana. I think I do. Mm -hmm. That's how it feels deep when I say something like that. I get the little bit of the hair raises on the back of your neck. And I've always felt that.
1: We had the the rabbi visited her in the hospital one day and... and Called me afterwards and said I had this most extraordinary visit with Susan and told me that Susan had said to her that, you know, she has a lot of angels watching out for her. And the rabbi had asked, well, where do you see these angels? And Susan had said, in the operating room. And the rabbi said, well, what are they doing in the operating room? And she said, Susan said, just they lean in and give me hugs. So she doesn't have recollection of, of that conversation. But I, I got like I got it firsthand from, from the rabbi who had, had been visiting.
2: So how many surgeries were there post-accident? We were trying to figure that out. We, Where
0: did we land? I think about...
1: there were about 16 surgeries afterwards. She broke, you know, every bone you went through the list, um, but neck and ribs and pelvis and broke arms, arms and, and legs leg and... and severed Achilles tendon and knees. And they just had to keep attacking the surgeries in, in different order. I mean, she had a punctured lung and a collapsed lung, so that limited the amount of surgery that she could do or go under for. And, and then they would attack sort of the upper part of the body and, and then the lower part. And we had a fantastic team of doctors. Her neurosurgeon was amazing to be able to fix that break in her neck. And, and then our orthopedic surgeon was also equally uh, fantastic. And he's very handsome.
2: That's helpful. I was going to ask what kept you going, that but
1: could, that could have been the angel's answer. Over your, answer oh. the question before I asked it.
2: <laughs> I, <laughs> so, how did you ever want to stop fighting?
0: You know, I definitely had moments of feeling defeated because I couldn't even lift my arm to my hand to brush my teeth. Um, any of those normal bodily functions of course at this side of the mic we're going to talk about those things yeah Uh, that was very 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 discouraging and so in those moments yes but I had a fog lift from my time in the hospital and it became my job to get better and I took it very very seriously and I was super lucky. Also, thanks to Doug and his incredible—he uh, advocated for me, which is just another whole job, in itself. When mm-hmm. anybody's in the hospital, okay. so well he, well he, because he said you have to get into this program, you won't like the other places because you know you had to go to aftercare or different rehab situations. Yes, right? that
1: I guess weren't good. Um, good is an understatement. They were, you know. Old age facilities that were not, they were not living. Yeah. They didn't, people didn't leave that place. You know, they went in and that was the rest of, and, and I, I, that was one of the options if Susan didn't get into the Cedars rehab program that we were going to be faced with. And I knew that she would just, she wouldn't not, not survive life-wise, but she would just be miserable.
2: So when you say you couldn't lift your hand to brush your teeth, did you think you were going to be paralyzed for life?
0: You know what? I don't think I let those kind of thoughts enter my head. I was very determined because I almost felt like a scolded child. To get into this program at Cedars, you had to work It sounds silly. It's not really work. But you had to transfer into a wheelchair and lift your hand 10 times a day. And it was a constant working out. I remember waiting for it to be 3 or 4 o'clock when they would finally let you rest. But because I did that and it was every day and silly stuff too, you know, Tai Chi with one hand Mm -hmm. and, and whatever you could do. Because I did that so immediately upon basically waking up, I was able to get better. And then there was tons of rehab after, you know, once we went home. But in the hospital, that
1: rehab was so intense that that really helped to heal me. Yeah, and I want to actually back up about two months because that's what she remembers. This is already two months into her hospital stay. But for those first two months, she had such a fight for survival, you know, just instinctively fighting every day. And all the doctors would comment, wow, she's a fighter. This one is a fighter. And that's Suzanne. Yeah. That's Suzanne. <laughs> yeah, I was fighting though to get back
0: to exactly what you said, all the things we live for, parties, mm-hmm. friends, my babies, my husband,
1: but instinctively doing that mm-hmm. instinctively. And, you know, I, I say that Bus may have crushed her body, but it did not crush her spirit or her sense of humor or her zest for life. And those were apparent even from from the get-go, even in the ER, in 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 her most mangled place, she was still loving and warm. She that, was Susan. She was Susan. And that, that was actually comforting to me, aside from the crazy delusions I was say. she was having. <laughs> mm-hmm the fact that she was still who she was
2: are the crazy delusions because of all the painkillers and different medicine that you were on is that is that why we think she or or from being in the accident
1: we're still you know it's one of those mysteries i think the brain it's like the is, angels
0: what were the delusions Do you remember some of the Well, I remember them because they seem real to me, but I also, I really remember them because they were told to me. Mm -hmm. But I remember thinking, I shouldn't say that. I think I remember feeling them and reporting them to you. Because how else do you know them?
1: You told me. I would, you know, I'd get there and she would be like, oh my God, you can't believe what happened (laughs) this morning. And (laughs) I'd say, well, and then would, you know, go on. I was like, well, I met the girls in Chinatown for lunch. (laughs) Right. And then when I came back, you know, I was waiting for my surgery and um, and they brought in a starfish that had been wounded and I had to fix it. Now, meanwhile, she's telling me all of this through a trach in her right, throat. Right. And, just, and so I'm thinking, am I hearing this correctly? Yeah. I was like, wait, what, how did you, you fixed a fish? And she would make a motion that, yeah, she sewed it. I was like how did you know how to sew the fish up? I just went for it. I did. You know, <laughs> was but this, was, the fish. You know this was what was going on. And, and, and it was funny. And, you know, and I was laughing with the hope that, okay, I hope this is not a, a permanent thing. But to get back to your question, when you asked, how did she cope with the pain? She was on some serious painkillers initially, but not that long. Mm. And I don't know if you've ever broken a rib or cracked a rib or, you know, there, it's extreme. I haven't, but
2: I've played someone on TV who's broken a <laughs> okay, rib. Okay, so, so you've it's acted almost that. like I've done it <laughs> no. now.
1: it's. I haven't either. I've yes. strained, but she had 12 broken ribs amongst all of the other injuries. And I remember I would watch her in bed just hacking away and not even wincing. And I thought, you know, I wonder if this is just the way the brain works. It has sort of said, you know what, I'm shutting you down. I'm shutting you down so that you can heal, but you may say some kooky things right now because right. in the shutdown, I have to disconnect sort of the logic board as well. And then two months later, it kind of started to re- reconnect again. And by this time, a lot of her bones had actually healed or were healing, and she found herself kind of fog-lifting, head what the hell happened? in to a you? halo, you know, immovable with Broken arms, legs, and 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 saying, "Okay, well, let's go home. Can we can we go home?" And that was her. That was her drive. That was her emotional drive. All of that. Let's go home. I want to go home. Well, it is husband. the simple
0: things in life, mm-hmm. don't you think? That you want yeah. to get back to and return to. But yeah. And I do think your brain. I mean, as I said before, I'm the luckiest unlucky person because. I with all the brain bleeding and all the broken bones, I was strapped to the bed having these crazy fantasies about sewing fishes and I got to heal. So. How long were you in the hospital for? So a total of three months. And then how long were you in the the rehab that the rem- you needed into? Right. That we were so lucky mm-hmm. to get into. Well, I was in the hospital hospital two months, right? And the rehab one month. So three months altogether.
2: So after being completely flattened in a car under a bus you were back in your house albeit mm-hmm. not tap dancing mm-hmm. but back in 3 months was it yeah
1: yeah it was 3 months i remember when the um cuz when she came home we had in home physical therapy and the first day the physical therapist showed up I said, sweetheart, the the physical therapist is coming today. And so we got her dressed. She was in a hospital bed in our living room downstairs. Mm -hmm. She couldn't make it upstairs and was sitting at the edge of the bed when the physical therapist arrived. And he walked in and said, hi, I'm Dennis. And she said, hi, Dennis, are we ready to go? And he stopped and he checked his clipboard and said, wait, you were the one who was hit by the bus, right? And she said, yeah, let's go. Let's get going. And he had told us he didn't know what to expect when he walked in. Nobody does, you know, at that point, and thought, Okay, well maybe I can get her to transfer to the wheelchair today, but if she wants to just sit laying curled in a ball for the entire forty five minutes, I'm gonna let her do that. She was hit by a bus. She broke everything. And he he was amazed. And I think that, you know, again, is very sort of telling about Susan's approach to this recovery was like I'm not gonna wallow in this in, in this victim I'm I you know, she would say to me I can't believe this happened. She would say that, but she never said to me, "I can't believe this happened to me." She never became a victim. I would of the like accidents. to say that now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For
2: the record, Your Honor, I, I would like to say a. that now. <laughs> um, when she's in the hospital, when she is has a metal contraption bolted, literally mm-hmm. uh, holes made in drilled into her head. This this halo, as we call it, which makes it sound. Angelic and lovely, but literally Crown of Thorns name. might mm-hmm. be a, a more apt name. Every bone broken can eat, begging for ice chips, all the things that we've either seen in films or I know totally. from, from reading the book now. Is there a point where you're like, oh, I, I need to I'm I'm so angry and I need to sue somebody? I feel like I'd be like, I'm gonna <laughs> sue like what do you do with the rage and the anger and can you do you sue the bus company? What what do you do?
1: That's book two. That's book two. I mean... <laughs> yeah, that, there was a there was a whole part of it. But I'll tell you, no, I I never was enraged. I, you know, as you started at the beginning of, of the show, everybody fears this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you never know what's going to happen when you wake up in the morning. And the right. bad cliche is you might just get hit by a bus. Well, that one happened. and, and um, But it... Uh, it was more, and I think why people connected and connect to this story is the randomness of life. you know you just can't predict it, and you I just you know you roll with it, you know you 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 play the the hand that you're dealt, and that's what you do in those moments,
0: but think sorry, Susan go, ahead. no, no, I'm sorry. I was just going to say. I think friends helped you along, and did say, "Listen, you have to report this. You have to tell the
1: police. You have well, to it tell wasn't the police." But people did say and, they know, helped listen, you. What's I, I, and they they yeah. you know they said, "I don't mean to be crass, right. but you need a lawyer." Um, it was it was a complicated case, and as Susan says, because this driverless truck drifted into the street in front of a bus and you know, she swerved to avoid it. And so, you know, you could look at the truck and go like, well, okay, he's at fault. and But then you look at the bus and say, well, that's the thing that smashed into her, you know? Well,
2: it sounds like, I'm not an attorney, but it sounds like there was negligence in the part of the truck not being parked properly if it rolled down a hill. Mm -hmm. And The bus was doing anything instinctually that Mm -hmm. one would do if they're about to drive into something is drive around it. But I would imagine the uh, city bus company has insurance Mm -hmm. and you miraculously in you hit no one. Mm -hmm. You were hit and your daughter's alive. Right. Right. So I'm just saying this is another conversation, but it would make sense that anyone would sort of look at it step by step. And what the outcome would be and what your desire for that to be and, and what you then do with whatever receipts there might be is is a whole other story. But there's been real hardship here. Sure. That aside, when we've had tremendously difficult, traumatic things happened in our lives, there's a great deal of time Where when you're on the other side of it somewhat, and I imagine based on all of the surgeries, every bone broken, everything you've been through, that there's chronic pain and a lifetime of rehabilitation Mm -hmm. of sorts. Mm -hmm. Although,
0: oh my God, you're sitting here today. Because what I decided to, everything is mental, and love, humor, all of those things have definitely helped to bolster my spirits and and keep me alive and keep me positive. I mean, the amount of love, Alana, I could cry thinking about it now, because it's to wake up and feel that energy to have felt it through the entire process. It's a really amazing thing and kept me going. And I think also kept you going, mm-hmm. and our kids, even though they were tired of lasagna casseroles, um, <laughs> right? Grateful. can imagine. Grateful. How much but
2: food was brought to your freezer a on food. a daily basis?
0: A lot of food. It was very. It was very sweet. Do you still live
2: every moment with okay? But after what we've been through, this is nothing. Or are you back to normal now? Where like traffic on the four hundred five is as annoying as it was pre-accident.
0: What I think I've learned or what is deep for me or on a different kind of level of consciousness that I think you might get to quicker when you have this kind of trauma or experience is that I want to show up for people the way they showed up for me. Mm-hmm. That's really the sentence that comes to me every single time. If your daughter's getting married or we couldn't be together. Uh, to me, doing doing this with you, this is the joyous moments of life. Now I'm going to cry again. Yeah. But um, that's really what has stuck with me. I think I'm back to being me, but it's my job to feel good, be me, because I want to. I, I want to partake in as much life as I can.
1: You know, one of the things that we came to realize is is that, and I write about it in the book, is that Everybody's got their bus. You know, we've all been hit by something. And I, I hope that this story helps others get through whatever their bus is. Because that was having that support was so important to me. And you think, oh, my God, I could never. But you can. You can get through it. You can persevere and you can, you know, make it to the other side. And I feel
0: that if I can be an inspiration now, people say, wow, you were through. You've done all that. You broke every bone and you're still here. And that's kind of special just in that that way alone. And something else that I'm thinking as you're speaking is that during those sort of crazy moments of helping me physically, whatever it was, humor, humor was huge. I mean, we were laughing whether it was... Trying to have sex again or going to the bathroom, we were laughing, and I think that's another reason why our marriage has stayed together, Dr. Levine. Yes, and um, <laughs> well, you are my very special <laughs> patient, my prized patient, exactly. There's um, a story
2: you tell in the book about being in synagogue uh, for the first time after mm-hmm. the accident, and the rabbi asked the congregation if they wanted to share good news right, or any news, good the, news good news in particular, since yeah. so much of our lives, especially in churches and synagogues and mosques, is often sharing mm-hmm. tragedy, right. mm-hmm. which the community in the world. buoys us uh, through. Right. So can you tell that story?
1: Mm, sure. I like it too. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> So we're sitting there, and the rabbi says, "Please come up if you're celebrating something, and it can be anything. It can be a child, grandchild, divorce, you know." And so, <laughs>
0: you're celebrating
1: your death. <laughs> I suppose no, that's I guess true. you can. Yeah. Whatever you need. Mm-hmm. So I encouraged Susan to go up, and she is like, "No." I said, "Sweetheart, if there's anybody who should be up there," and so she got up and she made her way to the front. And it's a full congregation. I mean, this is the high holiday services. So, And the rabbi starts passing around the mic saying, so what are you up here to you – know, what's your mitzvah? You know, what's in – it's like, well. I
2: got I, into a really good college. Exactly. exactly. I
1: sold my screenplay, you know. <laughs> Muzzle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Did you? Did you? Oh, no, that God. was not me. <laughs> that, that, I was still sitting in the audience. So <laughs> it well, struck the movie. <laughs>
2: Believe me, it's uh, happening. Anyway, yes.
1: So she gets to Susan and she puts the mic in front of Susan to say, What are you up here for? And Susan pauses for a moment and says, I'm alive. And it was just a question of does there need to be any more than that and the entire congregation just burst into applause it was super moving um and that is that is how she looks at it is like yeah i'm celebrating being alive
2: have you seen so i was in new york the calls are coming in jeffrey our our, our Dear friend. beloved friend mm-hmm. called me to tell me what had happened Which is how it went. It was like a phone train, right? And an email train and all Mm. this was happening. And I couldn't turn on the news to see it because I didn't have KTLA or whatever. No, and it was on CNN, I think. So I Googled it, right? You could immediately kind of... And it was really shocking. Mm. It was really shocking. Have you seen the photos and the footage that there is in the
0: news story? Just when the book was coming to fruition, yes. Yes but not for a long time till Doug actually sat down to write the book and and I said now I want to see but don't forget I don't remember it right so I am so I am looking at the book and the pictures as if it's somebody else a movie or whatever I'm like oh my oh my goodness and when I even when I saw myself for the first time I was I was shocked I just didn't imagine that's We'll talk about the expression there for the grace of God. Go by. Go
2: yeah. And I just have to say mm. that it is such an extraordinary thing to be sitting with you both here today. I cannot believe the journey that you guys have been on. I've known Doug and Susan a really long time. Mm-hmm. They used to live in New York. They were part of the theater scene and crowd of My Friends Here, and then they became fancy, sexy Hollywood people.
0: We loaded up the truck.
2: They loaded up the truck, and they went first, and they sort of were the pioneers, and we're like, eh, they said, it's good, we'll go. <laughs> uh, but you came back. Your home was always the place that we always wanted to go to congregate because you made everyone feel so at home, mm. and it was you were also my first friends to have kids. I mean, there were so many firsts yeah, in that we're way. Old now. Well, because mm-hmm. you had mm-hmm. children very young mm-hmm. and yes. uh, and weren't afraid to say yes to having both a creative life and a family life, and seeing that they could work in tandem with each other rather than they had to be separate entities and have two of the most beautiful, warmest, fabulous children. You guys. Have always been a couple that I really looked up to and hoped oh. that someday I could have a marriage that included the sort of respect and banter and sparring and humor and really having each other's backs, not just when you were in front of the other person, but even when the other person wasn't in the room. That mm-hmm. was always something that really, really moved me. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad you got through this. I'm so glad you're sharing this story with others. It's really hard to explain until you read the book how powerful it is and how intensely important the reminder of community and friendship is. Mm -hmm. And the takeaway for me, and I know you will relate to this, is it is very hard for people like us to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Yes. We are the helpers,
1: and especially men. Yes,
2: we are the first responders. So the fact that you were forced to sit back and let others love you the way you have loved them and given for them for so long was a real present for the rest of us. So thank you for writing something that will allow other men Mm -hmm. to connect to their vulnerable sides, not just because they have to, because they're in trauma, but because it's a good place to live Mm -hmm. no matter what.
1: Thanks, and we're hoping, you know, that this book and sharing this story and your sweetness and others' sweetness is—that's uh, that's the sugar in our lemonade. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. I bet. Mm-hmm. So the book is called *Struck*, mm-hmm. a memoir by Douglas Siegel. I imagine that Susan Siegel gets huge praise and thanks, and will share in in the royalties.
1: Of course. <laughs>
0: It's it's Doug's story, but it's all of our story. Yeah, all of our story. Yeah,
2: it's amazing. Anyway, I know I got it on Amazon. It's at booksellers all over.
1: At your local bookstores or online.
2: Timing is everything. It is. Well, and we're so
1: happy to be here. here. Oh
2: my God, I can't even believe it. And all of you listening. I cannot wait for you to read this book. And I'm so excited that I got to share it today. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank,
0: Thank you, here. the wonderful Alana. You're
2: welcome. Clouds can make the wind blow. Find out more at promedia.nyc.